just introduce myself a little bit for those of you that don't know me. Uh, my name is Brian Thiessen, um, and uh, let's see, I just want to introduce, so many of you know my wife, Janine, back there, who heads up our children's ministry, does a great job, does an awesome job. Um, I am, as I shared a little bit last week, I'm a probation officer in Yolo County, and I've been doing that for about three years now. Before that, worked in juvenile hall for about eight years. Um, we have Janine and I together. We've been married, let me see, almost 20 years. In, ah, no, no, I know. It'll be 20 years in May. Um, and we have three beautiful kids. Uh, Justina, who's 14 and a half. She's somewhere out here or in Sunday school somewhere helping out. Uh, ben, who just turned 13. And Brianna, who's 11. Really? You're my drama queen over there. It's got to... All right, so that's just a little bit about me and who I am. Uh, before we get into the Word this morning, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we just uh, we thank you today. And God, we just ask that you would just open up your Word to us, um, that you would just soften our hearts to hear what you want to teach us today. And um, Father, just, just take me aside and just let your Word um, go forth today. And uh, your word be spoken, and that we would leave here knowing you better and be changed because of what you have done uh, in our lives. So we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Oh, I did forget. <clears throat> Pastor Jeff wanted me to remind you guys that we, uh, he was sick last week, so we didn't get to... Uh, chapters 8 and 9, but in the next week or two or three, he's going to come back and kind of catch us up on what happened in um, 1 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Uh, but today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And so I'm going to go ahead and let's read those first four verses there. And he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Paul here, he's, he's going back. He's giving them basically a history lesson. Reminding them about what God had done for them. He takes them back to time of Moses, the time where the Israelites who had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, and in their time of Egypt, for those 400 years towards the end, they began, as they were being oppressed and being forced into doing all kinds of um, hard labor and not given everything that they could possibly want, and they wanted that freedom, the freedom that God gives, and they began to cry out and ask God, God, please deliver us. Deliver us from this land. And we will serve you. We will follow you. God heard their cry, and God did deliver them. You think about the, the ten plagues that God brought, the, the turning the water into blood, the frogs, the locusts, three days of complete darkness. And, of course, the last thing that God did is the Passover, where he had them sacrifice a lamb put the blood over, the, uh, over their doorposts, and God took them and killed 
God um, saved them, but killed the um, firstborn of the, all the Egyptians. And God took them out of the land of Egypt. But not only did he do that, God started to do some miraculous things and showed them who he was and how powerful and how God is always there for us, no matter what happens. <clears throat> he reminds them of the Red Sea. When they were, as they had left Egypt, they came to the Red Sea, and there, there was nowhere else to go. The Egyptians coming to, to kill them, to slaughter them, to bring them back into slavery, and just the Red Sea before them. And what did God do? God parted the Red Sea so that they could cross. They crossed on dry ground, and as they finished and went across, the Egyptians came and were destroyed. But, but Paul doesn't stop there. He talks about how in the wilderness, in the desert, where there is no food, where there is no water, nothing for them, what did God do? God provided manna, provided food for them, food that came every day that they would go out and collect. If they collected too much, it would mold. It would get bad if they tried to save it till the next day. If they didn't collect it, as soon as the sun came up, it would melt. And then, on Fridays, the day before Sabbath, God, they would collect extra because they couldn't work on the Sabbath day. But not only did God provide for them food, God, or bread, he provided um, meat as well, as they complained about wanting more. God provided them more. Then there was the water out in the desert. Moses hit the rock, and God provided water for them. Paul reminds them, we have to remember. We have to remember everything that God does. We have to remember how awesome our God is, because when we forget, it leads us into sin. It leads us away from who our God is. And that's what was happening with the, that's what happened with the Israelites. If we go farther, um, verses 5 through 10 in 1 Corinthians, he says, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Again, they forgot. It had only been two years, three, not very long, and yet the Israelites forgot what God had done. It says, now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Again, they saw God lead them by the pillar of cloud, by day, fire by night, that when that cloud stayed in one spot, they didn't move. When the cloud moved, they moved. They followed God and did whatever he did, or whatever he asked them to do. 
And yet, even though God was right there with them, they had forgotten. They forgot what God had done and what God was doing. And so they turned to idols. They turned their back on what God had done. Paul references two main events. Okay? One of them it, we find in Numbers chapter uh, Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9, where they complained, they grumbled, and they said, God, it was so much better in Egypt. It was so much better over there. They'd forgotten that they were oppressed, that they had such hard labor that they could not, they had no freedom, and they forgot about how bad it was. And they began to think, you know what, we had better food over there. We had drinking water all the time. And yet God said, God took them out of that. They had forgotten that. With all the grumbling, with all the complaining, what did God do? God sent a fiery serpent to basically destroy them because they had forgotten what God had done and they had turned to, we can do this better than God. We can do it better than what God wants. And so God sent the serpent. Of course, like many, many times, they, uh, they of course, forgot that it was God who uh, saved them in the first place, God who took them out of Egypt in the first place, God who had done all kinds of miracles to start off with, and now they had turned away from that, and now they're going back to God, crying out a second time, and God, in his grace, in his mercy, saved them. This is the story where God said to Moses and to Aaron, take your staff, put a fiery serpent on that staff. Hold it up, on the, up over here so that when the people look on that, they can be healed. Today, you guys see that symbol everywhere on ambulances and in the doctors, this medical symbol that comes from that incident where God saved them. When they looked upon that, they were saved. They were taken care of, and God saved them once again and brought them out. But they didn't stop there. There's another passage, also in Numbers, that Paul references. Uh, Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. This is a story in, in Shittim. And in, the, in, in Shittim, they, uh, they started to serve the god of uh, Baal of Peor, or many of you guys have heard Baal. And it's a, it's a lowercase god that's throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, um, that was in the promised land before they came in. The Baal was the god of fertility. So you can imagine what this, when they started to intermingle and they started to get involved in this religion, it was all, it was a sexual religion because it was the god of fertility. You had prostitutes, you had um, temple prostitutes, and they just, it, there was sexual immorality everywhere. And they started to intermingle. They started to go away. Again, they forgot what God had done. And they started to look to other things to be their 
their hope, their satisfaction, to be the, the solution to their problems. And so God, at that time, killed 23,000, as Paul says, in one day. 23,000 in one day. What we have to remember is we have to remember what God has done in our lives. The Israelites, they forgot. The people in Corinth, as Paul says too, is that these things are as examples for you to show you where God want, what God has done for you so that you can move forward. They forgot. They did not remember what God had done. In my life, I can share multiple, multiple stories of what God has done. I just want to share a couple. Um, the first, first story that I, that I can think of is my mom when she was six months pregnant with me. So this was a time, very, very difficult time in our lives. But when she was six months pregnant with me, uh, my biological father basically said, I want to have my own apartment. I want to have my own life. I want you guys to be over here. And when I, have t when I want to, I'm going to come back. I'm going to, you know, I'll hang out with you when I want to. He wanted his cake. He wanted to eat it too. And he wanted to... Um, basically live his own life and come back to his family when it was convenient. So basically when I was one month old, my parents had divorced. So we had my mom, my sister who was five, and me who was one month old. And as I've heard the story and I've, as I've he heard what God did, my mom at that time, um, she was like, there's no, there's no going on. There's no way I can do this. There's no way I can move forward. And she had thought about ending her life at that point and leaving a five-year-old and a one-month-old because she saw no hope, saw nothing before her. And yet, God met her at that time. And God reached out to her and said, it's going to be okay. I will take care of you and I will be with you. You do not have to worry because I will be there. And I'm here today. She's here today because our God is awesome. Our God is awesome and he's always there. But it's at those times, those difficult times, we have to remember what our God has done, how awesome our God is. Because if we don't, we end up like the people in Israel. We end up like the, some of those that have gone before us who forget and they turn to idols and they turn to things other than God. And go to verses 11 and, and 12 and 13, it says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks 
that he stands. Take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That last, little, that last verse there in verse 13 is one that's misquoted a lot or taken out of context. But in the context of this, it's, you look at verse 12 where he says, do not, um, or therefore let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If you think that you can stand on your own, it's impossible. But, if you can, but you can stand with God. God can give you that strength to stand. And God, when we remember, when we remember what he has done, we will stand. That way of escape, remembering what God has done. Remembering what he has done for us, that he's always with us. And that it is through him that we can escape the temptation, not on our own. Not on our own can we escape. We go to verse 14. It says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. And the, or verse 16, thus, or the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? That br- the bread that we break is not a participation in the body of Christ, because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Verse 14 says, flee idolatry. Idolatry is basically when we look to things other than God. We put things in the place of God. We put things that we say, that's where I get my satisfaction. That's my source of hope. That's my source. That's my solution to all my problems. That is idolatry. Because God, God is our hope. God is our solution. God is what should satisfy us more than anything else. And when we put things in that place where God is, that's when we fall away. That's what the Israelites had done. That's what the Corinthians were doing, and Paul is speaking out against that. And he says to to flee. Some of the things that we put in place of God, sometimes it's power, whether it's in our jobs whether it's at home, whether it's in the church, um, wherever it might be, sometimes we are given power and we say, you know what? We put power in the place of God. It could be people. It could be our positions at work, our jobs. It could be our family. All things that in their proper place aren't bad, but when we put those above where God's at. That is idolatry. And Paul says, flee from that. 
Another thing that we look to sometimes, politics. And we try to, well, they're going to do this or they're going to do that. Or I don't, it doesn't matter what side that you're on, right, left. But many times we put, that's where we look to. We say, that's going to solve all, all of our problems. That's going to give us what we need. No. God's what's going to give us what we need. It's with him that we get everything that we could possibly want. He is our solution to our problems. He is what needs to be our satisfaction. And so we need to flee from idolatry. So at this point in 1 Corinthians, so Paul talks about in this first part that, one, we need to remember what God has done. Now he transitions to, you know, to uh, we need to be thinking about other people because too many times another idolatry is putting us before anybody else. So let's go um, keep reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll start it. Uh, I'll go back to verse 16. It says, The cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices, participants in the altar. What do I imply then? That the food offered to idols is anything, or that, any, or that an idol is anything. No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice... They offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And then verse 23, it says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the believers, unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. So in, this, in the second part, he, he still is talking about trying, sometimes we try to get involved with other religions or what's going on around us. But he's still saying, keep your focus on God. Keep your focus on how awesome he is. But then he also says, look to your brother. Do what is right for them. Another idol, I would say, that we have in Christianity is we say, this is all, it's about me and my relationship with God. It's all about me. And we forget about the person next to us, our neighbor, um, the, the person down our street, the person sitting next to us in church. God calls us to make disciples. God calls us to think about the next person. What we do affects 
who sits next to us, who's at home with us. Christianity is not all about just me. It's about those that are around me. And that's what he's talking about. Uh, we look at verse 23 where he says, and this is basically the second time, 10, 23, he's in a sense repeating what he had said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse 12. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And then he changes up a little bit and says, all things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. When we're selfish and we seek out what's just good for me, it's not good. We have to also think about the people around us and them and what God wants to do with them. And then he also, um, I know Jeff had talked about this in earlier chapters. Uh, what did the Corinthians do? They had the Apollos camp, they had the Paul camp, and they had the Christ camp. There was division. There was division within the church. And God said, no, that's not good. We need to be thinking about others, we also need to unite as a church. That is why it's so awesome that I've seen over the last few years where with the youth group and then a couple weeks ago for Reformation Sunday, the churches of Dixon coming together because what we do here, it does affect the other churches around. What they do affects us. And we as a church, we need to come together. We need to work together to serve God and to do what he has called us to do, and not just focus on what's here. All right. But ultimately, so we remember what God has done, and now we are looking at what does God want from here. He wants us to make disciples. As we finish up in um, the last few verses here, go to verse 32. And it says, Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. We need to we're all about making disciples and bringing people to know Jesus and raising them up so that they can go out and make disciples. You've heard a lot about that. We talked about that last Sunday, but it's what we are trying to do as a church is to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. And it's um, seeking out that many, they, or that they may be saved, that people may come to know Jesus. Um, if I can get the, the last slide, is, um, as we look at this whole chapter, what we're looking at is that we, can br we as a church, we as a people of God, we can bring 
glory to God, hope to people when we remember what God has done and when we follow the great commandment. The great commandment to love God with everything that you have and love people as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we follow that, when we follow that, we bring glory to God and we bring hope to people because that is what God has asked us to do. So a while back, a few years ago, um, I remember I was, I was in a great position. I was in a great place in life. I had a beautiful wife, two beautiful kids, one on the way. I had the job that God wanted for me, that I thought that God wanted for me, and I thought I was where God wanted me to be. And then one night, my life got turned upside down. My life got turned upside down, and I didn't know where I was going to go, what I was going to do. And yet, I had, a, I had a wife, and like I said, two kids, and I was looking at them, and I was like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? go back a little bit. There was probably a month or two prior to that. Um, I was praying with a group of people, and I'd, I, had, I had prayed, God, if you need to remove me, if you need to take me somewhere and put me somewhere else, then do it. And God did do that. Doesn't, make, doesn't mean it was easy. For about a year, two, maybe three years, I struggled mightily, and I got caught up like the Israelites, where I was complaining, grumbling, and I was pointing out, and I was lashing out, but through that all, my God was with me. My God took care of me, and I stand here today not because of me, not because of what I'm, it's, it's all about him. And what God has taken me through in the last 12 years has been to understand him more, to put him in a place where he deserves to be. Because I wasn't necessarily doing that before. And God has given me all kinds of life experiences, all kinds of experiences with him that had I stayed on the same path before, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I'm able to do today. I'm not a, I wouldn't be the man who I am today or the man that God has made me today. So I thank my God. I remember that time. I remember what God did. But I stand here today and say, my God is bigger than anything. He's bigger than anything. My God is with me. 
and my God takes care of me. And when I remember what he's done, and I live today putting him above everything else, because I want to see people come to know Jesus. Again, it's not about me, it's about him. When we remember what our God has done, we bring glory to him and we bring hope to people because our God is awesome. But we have to put him in the place that he belongs and serve him. And when we do that, our God takes care of us and he brings people to know him. Let's pray. Father, we just... uh, We thank you for this morning. We thank you for who you are. And God, I just, uh, I pray for each one of us that we would just serve you and that we would, we would remember and we would live like you are, you are in control and that, that you are, we would live out that first commandment, God. Because we want to bring hope to people and we want to bring Glory to you, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks, guys. You guys are dismissed.